Good day, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, fanboys and girls, geeks and nerds, all around the globe. You've come to the right place. This is the Vigilant Geek Podcast. My name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me as always... Oh, hold an arm. I'm Vigilant Geek Media. And uh, we got a very interesting topic for this week's cast. Hey, bud. Um, we uh, are doing uh, the Marvel Fringe today. So this is our first uh, official uh, Fringe cast, Marvel Fringe cast. So we're going to be talking about these characters. A lot of them are my favorites. Uh um, that sort of uh, do their own thing uh, in regards to continuity. They're not in the epicenter of what's going on typically in the big events. Um, these would be characters sort of like Daredevil, Punisher, Moon Knight, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, Marvel's just got way too many books. They they have so many books. It took me months to get through them too. I'm not even all the all the way there, but there's still a few uh, X Men titles I have to catch up on. Uh, Extraordinary X Men, all new X Men. Uh, I just caught up on Uncanny X Men. There's like fucking four different X books to read. I think maybe more now. Yeah, it's X Men '92. I also we were talking about that last week. Uh, yeah, Extraordinary X Men '92. Those are worth reading. Um, oh, they're great. If you love that 90s, it's basically, basically about, you know, in regards to the, uh, the, the early 90s X-Men, uh, cartoon that was on TV that we love so much, you know, along with that Spider-Man one, you know, those are like our, my two favorites. Oh yeah, no, those are the two best ones in the early 90s. Yeah, it was great. So this comic book, X, X-Men 92 is just, it's, it's done in the same style and it has the same characters, uh, from that, uh, animation, which is great. If you loved it, it was, everyone did, you know, especially oh, yeah. us. Well, this, that was kind of my first introduction to comics. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, I mean, I had been reading them even, believe it or not, even a little bit before that, but not much before that. Yeah, for me, it was just like Ninja Turtles here and there. Yeah. And then never anything serious. Well, I tried collecting Venom for a little while, but then... What do you mean, like collecting the chemical? Venom? No, 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 like, no. Like Venom had his own like six book series. And, oh, Venom the character. Yeah, yeah. That was when I was much younger. Cool, and, cool, uh, cool. There's some pretty decent storylines. But well, unfortunately, we're not talking X Men this week. We're not talking Spider Man. We are talking about the Marvel Fringe. And uh, you know, when I think of the Marvel Fringe, you know, the the characters uh, that pop up into my head immediately are like Daredevil, Punisher. Moon Knight. So those are the three we're going to start off with. Actually, let's 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 talk a little bit about what's been going on in Daredevil lately. Now, I know uh, he, him, and his, uh, uh, I guess you'd call him a sidekick, uh, Blind Spot. Um, we're dealing with the Ten Fingers Gang, and I know that Blind Spot was uh, uh, had infiltrated the gang and was was you know working both sides to get information. For Daredevil, I'm, am I correct on that? Um, 
Yes, yes. That was pretty neat. Um, what's been going to... on since then, though? I actually haven't caught up on on my Daredevil, which is which is for me uh, shameful. But well, with the Ten Fingers arc, um, Blind Spot was actually part of the criminal organization because his mother was like uh, one of Ten Fingers chosen to have eight fingers on each hand. Right. Okay. And. Um, so he was trying out there, but he's still trying to, like, clean up Chinatown, trying to do for what Daredevil did uh, for Hell's Kitchen. Or okay. for Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. So And the Hand got involved with what's going on, too, right? Well, yeah, because Ten Fingers used to be part of the Hand, and he found a way to go ahead and... Um, Use to get their power. Get, you, yeah. the, he found a way to go ahead to commune with the Beast. And, and, then, uh, and that's where he gets his power from. And, um, and the hand wanted it back. And yeah, the hand wanted it back. They sent us something like these creatures, mindless zombie creatures that uh, just sent to fight and blindly kill. They need to like sacrifice a hundred hand members in order to make one. And uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say what? And Daredevil's in the middle of all this. Yeah, so he's there. <laughs> Obviously. He, because there's still a bunch of people in there who are being tricked by Ten Fingers, and then this huge brawl breaks out, and then um, Blind Spots, uh, Mom, finds a way to bounce. And then um, with the rest of the elite left, and then Ten Fingers tries to commune with the Beast, and the Beast sees that he's weak and just uh, and it just takes him. Hmm. And then uh, that's how that arc ended. It was good. And then they just had a two-issue arc with Electra. Electra pops back up again, yeah. And somebody played a trick on Electra and made her think that she had a child and that she had left it in the care with stick and it was put into foster care. But it turns out it was all a ruse and now she's pissed and she wants to find out who did it so she can kill them. Because she almost kills Matt over this. Oh, she almost kills Daredevil. It's crazy. Wow, yeah. So they go at it again. They they go I, at it. And I like when they fight, you know. It's good, but she <laughs> make, she makes them bleed really bad in this one. Oh, I imagine she I'll had intent wait. to kill. She was convinced. She convinced that what that Murdoch was the one that played her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Well, and then I I I don't remember. You were following. You've been following Daredevil the entire time, but I guess what happened? Something happened in San Francisco that made it so that he ended. Um, he could be Daredevil and Matt Murdock, where they were somehow separate. Yeah, that was back. Uh, oh wait, that was wasn't that back? Uh, that was probably pre-secret. Pre-secret wars. Yeah. Um, I'm finding that a lot of the books that I read before, like the status quo from before Secret Star Wars is the same. The only things that have changed are just subtle changes. Like Miles Morales is part of this. Part of the all new Avengers. Yeah. Which I actually really enjoyed reading, catching up on. Um, but we're not talking about those Avengers. We're talking about the Fiend. So let's, so I'll get us back on topic. Um, but, um, well, Daredevil's been a great read. Um, I wish I had the book in front of me so I could credit everybody who worked on the book. But well, Charles Soule's writing it, right? He is. But yeah, he is. Yeah, that's right. And then, I've and Charles Soule, like, he's written some, like, really awesome stuff and then some stuff I've disliked over the years. Um, I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of Death of Wolverine, but Charles Soule definitely has the writing chops. Um, well, he does for Daredevil. For some reason, it really works for him. Yeah, no, it's been excellent. I love the new costume too. I forget who's. I think is is um, 
Mitch, uh, Mitch Gerard, I want to say, is the artist on that book. I could be, I could be saying the name wrong, but, um, either way, the new costume is just, it's way cool. It's black, but it's got hints of red still. He's got his hands all like done up like a fighter, you know, with the hand wraps. And... It's, yeah, it's kind of armory too. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's definitely like just a cooler, sleeker, yet mo- definitely more armor. Uh, you know, he, he just, he, he looks cooler than he's looked in a long time, to be honest. Although I am somewhat partial to like, you know, the, the, the scarlet look that he had for, you know, so many years, a classic daredevil. Oh, they'll go back to that. And they would, yeah, of course they will. But for right now, he's, he's got a really cool costume. I dig it. I like Blind Spot. He's a really cool, uh, really cool apprentice, I'd, I'd say. Sidekick, apprentice. He's, he's a, he's an interesting character. He's pretty neat. Um, basically, he can turn invisible. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, he made his suit out of just random stuff, and then it runs on D batteries. Yeah, so it's like a poor man's hero kind of. But yeah, he, he's it's cool. A, Daredevil's teaching him how to fight, which is cool. And, and not that Marvel needs any more goddamn titles out right now because they already have just too many. I think it's something. But um, succeed. They, yeah, they got. They put out more than that because then there's the stuff that like they don't tell you about. They got uh, close, probably close to a hundred books out there right now. It's it's nuts, and and you know, curiosity kills the cat and the cat's wallet when that happens because uh, you want to check everything out. Uh, and we we did uh, as a comic book reading uh, crusaders that we are. We checked out. Pretty much everything since Marvel reset their universe. Um, it was all really good. Like, like I didn't really have anything to complain about too much. No, um, it wasn't as hard a reset as we'd thought. I think it was just them kind of folding in what they liked from the Ultimate Universe and then discarding the and rest. Discarding the Ultimate Universe, yeah. Um, which, you know, the Ultimate Universe was never something I was personally really into. Well, so I could take it or leave it, and I'm g- kind of glad that we're leaving it right now. Cause well, it's kind of like what had just happened to us with the New 52. We jumped on DC and got into it seriously when they were starting this new era. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the normal fans are crying out in pain because they're in all their continuity and legacy got just wiped off to the side. Yeah. <laughs> so they pissed off the old guard, but they got a new group of of fans. They got a, a they had a lot of a big new fresh fan base. But then they go and they piss all them off and then they're like, "Oh, you know, here with rebirth, we're going to go back to old continuity and the high issue numbers and what have you and so now all the new 52 people like you and i are like what the what the hell but you know and we'll we'll do an episode on rebirth uh coming up very soon maybe even next week we haven't decided next week's topic but there aren't that many rebirth books out well let's wait for more of them to come out then you know we'll do something we'll do something else next week there really aren't that many they're only really covering the four bu- the core books and then nightwings getting a book back and then birds yes. of prey is back I like Nightwing. I was not a fan of Grayson, although I, it was cool. Like, I don't know, it was a cool thing for him to do for a while. I just never got into it. I never really read it. Um, but when he's, you know, I, what, I thought that him having a change was was a good idea. I just didn't like the spy, do you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it was like James Bond, uh, but it's Dick Grayson. And it's Grayson. And, you know, it got a lot of readership. People liked it, but I like Nightwing better. I'm glad he's back. Um, anyways, that was a little tangent, but we will be doing a rebirth episode coming up, uh, within the next few weeks where we're back from our vigilant geek sabbatical after, uh, we had some work done in the studio. Uh, we weren't able to really record for a few weeks. Uh, but we're back. We're back in black. We're back in the saddle again. And, uh, that's just one of the episode topics coming up to look forward to. Right. So, um. So they brought back the Punisher book. They brought back the Punisher book. They did. They got, uh, Becky Cloonan. She's writing it. She's awesome. And then, what is it? Steve Dillon's the one doing the art, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've mentioned this a few times in previous casts this season, but, uh, Steve Dillon, uh, used to draw the Punisher back when Garth Ennis was, uh, the writer. And they both, uh, that, that creative team did a, a very long run on the Punisher. I read it as a kid. And then, uh, they also worked together on the whole run of Preacher. So, you know, I love Steve Dillon's dark, gritty style of, uh, penciling. It is just, it's unparalleled. So the fact that he's back working on that character again, because he draws him so well, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. I flipped through, you know, I obviously read the first issue. I flipped through the second one briefly. I wasn't able to read it yet, but, uh, um, the artwork, this is the one thing that's nostalgic for me because Steve Dillon was the penciler of that character when I read that book as a kid. So yeah. back when it was a part of the Marvel Knights, which is what the Marvel fringe was called back then. Um, they're called Marvel Knights, Electra, Daredevil, Punisher, Moon Knight, all those guys, all those people we're going to keep talking about. But yeah, uh, basically, yeah. Um, yeah, the Punisher, the new Punisher book is, is very impressive. The, I like the coloring. She does a good job introducing new characters. Like, the Punisher doesn't speak. It's been No, two he issues. doesn't really talk at it's all. It's been two issues, and I don't think he spoke once. Which is very appropriate for Frank. Yeah, because she said she wanted, um, in previous interviews before she wrote the book, Becky Clunan mentioned that she wanted to make him seem like uh, the Jason Voorhees for criminals. Right, and she did such a good job of that in issue one when he's hiding in that building, like... Oh, dude, it gave me, like, chills. She goes in, wastes everyone with that, uh, and then they guess they're trying to ship this, um, experimental drug that, like, like, gives people this crazy combat, like, adrenaline rush and makes the, like, even, like, the wimpiest people, like, really strong for a short amount of time. Yeah. And when Frank, uh, infiltrates the place, like, one of those guys tries to take some of that, and uh go all buck wild on Frank and uh he actually he messes him up pretty good but in the end does not prevail and Frank, you know, beats his head in pretty good. Yeah, well he had to smash one guy's head in and the other guy he impaled with some rebar into an electrical Yeah, into an electrical switchboard. I was like, Whoa, that's a f- all right, that's a creative punisher death, Miss Clunin. My hat is tipped to you there. You know Frank Castle very well. Keep going. I'm loving your book. Yeah. Well, I guess the guy he's fighting is this black guy who who cuts off the faces of people who are his enemies or fail work for him and fail. Yeah. You, you see it like at the end of one of those books, he's like nailing like 
And so then he ends up running into um, Frank in book number two, and then uh, and then Frank ends up messing up a drug deal, and then he's gonna go up against these crazy hicks. And one hick at the end of the book, you see a little girl strapped to a suicide vest. Holy shit! I haven't come across that yet. Um, wow. Well, you know, no, uh, no f- setup really. Uh, you know, no delays is what I, I'm really trying to say, I guess. Uh, in regards to the action sequences in that book, uh, they get right into it and it's zero to 60 in, in the turn of a page. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, now let's talk a little bit about what Jeff Lemire has been up to, uh, with Moon Knight. Now, Lemire has been working on all kinds of Marvel stuff right now. He's doing Extraordinary X-Men, as we know. Also, uh, Hawkeye. Um, and Old Man Logan. Which has, uh, been awesome. Caught up on all that stuff. But, uh, he's doing Moon Knight. And, uh, it looks like it's pretty on point from, uh, when they did the five book run, uh, you know, prior Secret Wars with Declan Shelby as the writer. Um, Jeff Lemire has clearly studied, uh, the character of Mark Spector and, uh, the, uh, psychosis or maybe not quite the psychosis that yeah. Mark Spector goes through, um, constantly. So the, the big mystery is like, is he Moon Knight or not? Like, is, yeah. Like, are these Egyptian forces actually real, or is like, is this, or is he just nuts? He could just be nuts, and and it's like, I love how they're playing around with that because like he's always kind of he's been a crazy like ex mercenary, you know, who's been gifted the powers of Khonshu, you know, the Egyptian deity and what have you, blah 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 blah. But like, the the insanity part of it all hasn't really been explored like it has in that last five book Declan Shelby run and now the way Jeff Lemire's doing it. It's awesome. Yeah, um I don't I forget who's doing the art, of course, uh on that book, uh but the art's on point too. And it's really cool because you see him like battling uh you know what looks to be the uh the orderlies in in the hospital but they're kind of like uh uh corrupt orderlies and they're like always beating them up and like put, picking on them and but then you know he he gets a chance to go after go at him but then he sees through his mind when he wraps him, himself in this sheet and like he pokes little eye holes he's making like a makeshift moon knight costume out of a bed sheet mm-hmm. and like he's all of a sudden it's like is he delusional? Is he not delusional? Because like he starts seeing these guards as like uh like Anubis dogs, Anubis dogs and stuff, and it's yeah. like it's it's very trippy. It's very cool. Uh, my hat will continuously be tipping to Jeff Lemire for the foreseeable future. He's been doing great, great work for Marvel. I'm sure he'll be working for Marvel for a long ass time, or until he gets bored, or until he makes enough money. <laughs> It's usually how it goes. And his creator owned stuff is pretty awesome too. Of Descender has been great. Uh that sci fi he did for Image. Um and he's done a lot of other really cool stuff. Uh well, so he did a couple other creator owns. Uh Platona. He's writing Bloodshot for Valiant. He's doing Bloodshot for Valiant, yeah, and we're gonna do a Valiant cast uh in the foreseeable future this season as well. We always do a Valiant cast, so We'll talk about his work over at Valiant with Bloodshot, too. Um, 
And, you know, uh, he, he, uh, worked for DC on that run, uh, for Green Arrow with Andrea Sorrentino. He, he's a pretty amazing guy. He's done a lot of work, uh, in the graphic novel medium in the past few years. I don't know how some of these guys do it. They can write all these amazing stories at once and meet deadlines and it's pretty impressive. So, um, this brings us to Black Panther, which has been really cool. Uh, the gentleman who writes the book, I actually, I can't pronounce the name, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, maybe? Yeah, um, that's, that's close enough. Apparently, he's won a MacArthur Genius Award and National Book Award winner uh, in the past for his other works, and I think this is sort of something where... Uh, um, it's sort of his first crack at, uh, graphic novels and, and Black Panther was a very appropriate character for him to do. Yeah, Marvel, a, Marvel just likes to go out and just snatch up people out of nowhere to try to get them to write for them. They kidnap them and then they pay them handsomely and then they keep them forever. It's like how the New York Yankees mm -hmm. were in the 90s yeah. and the early 2000s. We're gonna make so much money with all of our all of our movies and and merchandise that we can pretty much hire anyone to write our books and draw them. Now, um, speaking of drawing, uh, the artist uh, on this book is Brian Stelfreeze, uh, and I know I've seen that name in the in, you know throughout the industry f you know over the years, and it just uh, I don't know I just can't put my finger on what he's what he's done for work out there right now. I don't know if you can, Holden. Uh, uh, it's the first time I've actually seen anything from him, but I haven't reading been reading comics very seriously for more than, like, five years. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. There's so many people actually doing creator-owned stuff, and unless you're a relatively really well-known name, like, the only way people are going to know your stuff is if, like, you get help marketing it or you market it yourself or viral marketing, like, stuff like that, you know? Right. So um, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in Black Panther. T'Challa is back as the uh, ruler and protector, the uh, uh, mystical Black Panther himself. You know, he's back... Uh, um, in power, uh, in Wakanda, uh, except he is not met with much, uh, positivity, no. for lack of a better, better way of saying it. Well, over the past couple of years, Wakanda's really been put through the ringer. Um, I, I guess it really just, it all started out being terrible right out the gate when, uh, when, when the Phoenix Force came back during Avengers vs. X-Men. Right, and Namor right. went ahead and he hates Chala, so he goes ahead and he just creates this huge tidal wave and just goes ahead and just hits Wakanda with it. Just well, I, you know, I guess he deserves to die for a while then. What a prick. Um, we mentioned that, you know, in our last episode. Oh, yeah, it, Hyperion. Just yeah, just Hi Hyperion basically snaps his neck, um, yeah. which, I, you know, is a little harsh. You know, I don't know if I'd do that if I had the power. But, uh, 
Well, Namor did do that, and you know, he's done a lot of other shitty things in the past, so maybe he does deserve to go away for a while. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They just kept doing terrible things to each other until one of them finally died. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the Wakandans have been through that. And then, and then there was a change in leadership. I guess he was found unfit at some point. He became the King of the Dead instead. And, and then, T'Challa's sister became like the Black Panther. At but that then point, she right? was killed by the Cabal during the convert, not, well yeah, during the convergence. Right. That happened just before Secret Wars. That's right. That's right. Um, so he's dealing with a nation that he doesn't have their trust anymore, but he's back, you know, to fill the shoes of his, his, uh, deceased sister who he keeps seeing visions of. Um, so he's got all that weighing on him. And then on top of it, this sorceress has come to Wakanda and has been manipulating, uh, descent the, through the masses, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's been basically getting T'Challa's, uh, people to turn on him. Uh, so he's got a lot on his plate just in Wakanda right now. Um, now I, I believe Black Panther is also a member of the Illuminati and... I think they're called the Ultimates now. The Ultimates, yeah. There's like five different group, there's five, like six different team books because the Avengers... Was, I guess they, somebody like finally pointed out, they're like, oh man, they're like way too many people in the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> this is hard to keep track of. And like everyone's trying to, you know, they During always, the Infinity Arc, but back, you know, when, uh, I always forget, uh, who was writing that? Um, and they're always trying to invent these teenage but, kid characters. Yeah, like, no, there was like, like, there, love my new character. See, it's new and I made it. <laughs> And you're going to love it. Well, every creator at either Marvel, DC, or what have you, they, they, you know, it's most writers dream to be able to create like a, a character and add that character to like either the Marvel or the DCU. Yeah. Um, it, and I, and if I ever got like a job at Marvel or DC, that would be like one of my dreams too. But because of that, you got like, you know, 50 goddamn Avengers to keep track of, 10 or 12 different Avengers teams. And then count- like, you know, that's countless X-Men. Countless X-Men teams. Wolverine's a part, was a part of like all of them, and but the then thing is, Wolverine and the X-Men. And most then- of these characters fade away into obscurity once the writer moves on to something else because he's no longer there to take care of the character. Right. Like you got, uh, Bendis, you know, is, pushing uh milo morales and but it's working it's been really cool um you know his his spider-man that he created that was originally in the ultimate universe and he he after secret wars uh milos morales uh he he survived and was brought into the the uh marvel u as we know it now um but yeah characters like that or you got uh all the countless characters Jeff Johns has created, uh, like Stargirl and... Well, Jeff Johns, what he does is something different. He tries to go ahead and resuscitate life in the dead DC fringe characters. Yeah, yeah. No, he does a lot of that, and too. And he's fairly good at it, and he's the only one at DC who can, because he's the only guy there, the senior guy there with any imagination that can really, you know, handle stuff like that. Well, Snyder too, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, they have their hooks into him because he's really good at doing Batman. 
But, oh yeah, uh, Snyder's really great with dark stuff. Cause I, he's done a lot of horror, and as you, as we've said in previous casts, uh, his mentor was Stephen King. He only really does the uh, the one the one book though, and then I mean it's still wicked good. But like Marvel, well, he's got witches, a creator owned. He's doing for Image, and that's been so good. I'm sure he's going to be working on that again. No, it's official. He's back at uh, Boston Comic Con again. Yeah, I'm going to get more stuff signed by him. Well, Capullo is going to be there too. Oh, dude, I'm going to get all their autographs on all those stuff I already got from last year. It's going to be tight. I got that awesome Joker variant for issue uh, issue forty. Yeah, but they were doing the movie posters, right? Yeah, yeah. And oh, I that got, was the end game finale. That's yeah, end game finale. That's and I'd be worth more money just because. And I got Dave, cover artist Dave Johnson, who drew that variant to sign that too, as well as Snyder. So now I just got to get Capullo, and that one's gonna be worth. Who knows? But uh I digress. You know, we are collectors as well. We're gonna be doing more collectors specials. If you look on our YouTube page, just type in the Vigilant Geek. Um, you look at our channel, you'll see some, uh, collector series specials we've been doing. Holden, uh, I don't mean to take too much credit for it. I didn't do anything. Uh, Holden and Nathan, Nathan Burke, uh, one of the, uh, vigilant geek media analysts that, uh, does a lot of stuff for us. Um, you guys have been, uh, doing some specials on pop vinyls lately, but we're going to get into other stuff like comics and video games, vintage video games, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, so I'm plugging our YouTube page right now. Why not? If you haven't seen us over at YouTube, well, this YouTube is actually going to be the new platform for all podcast material anyways. So you'll have to go to our YouTube channel to keep, you're to keep, already, <laughs> keep you're listening. Already, you're already listening to this there. Yeah. Pretty much. It's gonna, that's where it's going. It's, it's going up, uh, on YouTube. So, um, while you're on our YouTube page, check out the collector series, which is, uh, right up on our channel, our main page, uh, in its own little folder, collector series. And, uh, it'll be good times. We have a lot of good times. Yeah. You just, you get to look at things that I bought for <laughs> myself. Get, <laughs> make yourself a nice ice cold drinky poo and uh and check out some of uh Holden and Nathan's and, dolls they bought. And let me and then listen to me talk about my nice things <laughs> that you wish you had. It's all mine, mine that you want to look at my from precious. the comfort of your <laughs> office chair. Yeah. Or phone. Yeah. Or anywhere. All mobile devices. So back to Black Panther. Um, very political, but at the same time, he's got the mystical elements. He's dealing with the sorceress and like what she's been doing. Kind of Aquaman-ish, actually. Yeah, the same yeah. kind of character. He's a hero and ruler, um, and warrior, protector. He's so many things. The Black Panther is so many things. The Black Panther's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's uh, a really cool book with great art. If you're looking for good Marvel reads, it's only a couple issues in. I recommend picking up Black Panther. It's awesome. And then they, yeah, and then they got something going on with the, um, the, the, the female warrior couple. Right. That's the one part I forgot, I forgot to talk about. Like right at the end, they stole this experimental vibranium armor, like dueling. Yeah. That, it's pretty, it's and... pretty fucking cool. Cause as, you know, a, a typical Marvel fan would know, Wakanda, uh, which is, uh, a, 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 a 
civilization uh, in Africa where uh, Black Panther rules and protects. And they are, as we would know, uh, the most technolo- techno- <laughs> technologically advanced, pardon my stutter, uh, nation within the Marvel Universe. They're not a nation in the, in reality as we know it today. They're, that they are a nation in, in the Marvel Universe if you like to live there. Um, anywho, yeah, they got this, uh, this lesbian couple, they stole this like new high tech armor. It's kind of like Stark tech, you know, in a way. Well, it's, it's different though. It's different. It's weird. It kind of looks like, like, uh, like the Fire Moth armor-ish, you know? Kind of like it's got these wings on it and, but it's like made out of vibranium. Yeah, vibranium. Marvel, Marvel is the great wide world of super suits. Oh God, yeah. So many super suits. Tony Stark makes the best super suits, but then there's so many other super suits. No, I think Justin Hammer makes the best super suits. I don't know. Well, I guess I guess people in Wakanda are making pretty good super suits. They certainly are. So there's an aspect of uh, that book t- as well that's pretty neat to see what these. Two rogue, uh, lesbian Wakandan warrior women, uh, see what, you know, havoc they wreak in those, uh, stolen suits. Well, like one of them was put on trial. She committed some sort of murder in the name of the king, and that was bad because you don't want to make the king look bad. Right, right. Yeah, she was put on trial, so they had to escape. So, keep reading Black Panther or start reading Black Panther. If you find any of what we just talked about to be cool. Now let's talk a little about the astonishing Ant-Man. Uh, so more adventures, uh, with our buddy Scott Lang. More like misadventures. Misadventures would be very appropriate. His life, <laughs> like, it seems his life just keeps getting worse and worse every single issue. Yeah, it hasn't been fun being Scott Lang lately. That's for sure. Totally, like, dumped on. Like, like, people, they can hire criminals that can specifically to beat his ass with the hench yeah. app. <laughs> the hench app. Yeah. They got these, like, rival apps. There's one called Hench and one called Lackey. Uh, Power Broker runs Hench. And, uh, what's his face? How, Fucking Darren how? Cross made, or Darren Cross's son made, you know, the knockoff version, Lackey. Yeah. Uh, as, as you know, Darren Cross is like the main bad guy for, for Scott. Um, not, he's not the yellow jacket from like the movies, just more of a giant hulking thing, but like, and he, he has got- to like steal organs from homeless people to survive, and he tried to steal Scott Lang's daughter Cassie's heart. No, he did. He got away with or it. Or he got too. away with it. Like yeah. It's up. wicked bad, cause I guess the heart was fused with pim particles, so that, you know. Yeah. Of course, now he's got a heart with pim particles in it, and he doesn't know how to control them. So he's always shifting in size. So his son's son is pretty much still running the company. Yeah. So you know they uh, knock off power brokers stick with hench and they make lackey. So in these apps, you can uh, choose a, a super villain. You know, almost like online dating, and then uh, you know pay them to 
go attack people or do do something evil. Yeah. And I guess it's okay. Like, the, like you know, the FBI doesn't seem to give a shit or S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't even seem to really care that people are doing this. I know. That's so weird. We <laughs> may, like, flip out over something like that. <coughs> like, yeah, hire supervillains to do your bidding. Well, they're too busy brainwashing criminal. It was a Pleasant Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill is the worst villain of all. <laughs> She's fucked. Yeah. Pleasant Hill. That was a great read, though. That was classic, like, Marvel, like, suspense and, and just, just a really cool great story. Great story. It also really sets up the storyline of, uh, the un- Uncanny Avengers book with the, with the Red Skull. Yeah. Cause I, I, um, cause Steve Rogers got his own book back. He got his powers back during standoff. And then, uh, and now, now I guess he's, it's turned out that he's actually been a sleeper Hydra agent, which I mean, I don't know. I guess it's fresh and new. Well, he's been kidnapped by them before. So it's, it's believable. We, they, they could roll with a story like that for a little while. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I see. I still haven't read the first one, but like, they could make some shit up like, Oh, back in, he was kidnapped by Hydra in the war back in 1940, and they put and they put a sleeper cell. You know what I mean? I like, think it might be something more like his mother had some sort of ties to the organization. Oh, well, it'd be interesting to find out. I'll about eh, to read that. By the way, I mean, I don't know. Hearsay. We're terrible reporters on comic book news. <laughs> uh, well, I'd say speak for yourself on that one. I'm a fantastic. Uh, comic book news reporter i'd say all right no well, we both are i'm just teasing you just ask me something i need to redeem myself <laughs> no we're good man we're good um but yeah as as we you know we'll update at some point uh what's going on with steve rogers right now because neither of us uh have caught up there but um i guess just to finish off with ant-man um yeah. We talked we talked about the apps. So we got these apps where people can hire supervillains and like I think maybe the reason why Shield and 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 the government doesn't give a fuck though is cuz if you look at like the villains that are on there they're like such jobbers like uh what's his face uh and it's great cuz all of these like obscure jobbers characters uh like the shocker and shit like they all pop up in ant-man it's it's hilarious um uh, i mean like ant-man himself uh runs that security firm and he, he hired grizzly this guy who's just dre- like big hulking guy that's just dressed up like a bear yeah, and then, and then uh smith. machine smith who's like this is fucking such a prick he's such a wise ass um because he used to be a supervillain too. Yeah. Uh, so they got these characters on Hench and Lackey like, uh, uh, the Thunderer and, and the Magician and, uh. And then Hench made the upgraded version. Yeah. <laughs> and then once Hench made the upgraded version, they offered a, 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 something so they, they give people a power set and then they allow them to become their own, uh, empower them to Hench themselves. Right, so Cassie Lang, Scott's daughter, is uh very much lured to this because uh, she wants powers again. She used to uh have Pym particles. Uh, so she used to be. I guess she was part of the Young Avengers. She was part of the Young Avengers. I, her name escapes me. And then Kate Bishop. Oh. We'll talk about Kate Bishop when we talk Hawkeye. Yeah, she was. Uh, um, she was pretty much the star of that book, but. Uh, 
I forget what they were called. Yeah, she had some name, but then they ended up throwing away, and then she ends up getting her 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 bad guy costume, and she's gonna go by the name Stinger. Stinger, yeah. So Cassie has decided to go villain, and she is Stinger now. Um, and she has her powers again uh, to uh, um, you know change size, obviously. Um, Shrink down. So so that's going on, and and Power Broker is sort of manipulated her because he's able to provide her with this. So ever since she had that, you know, operation with Darren Cross, she could she lost her powers. So um, because he's able to do this for her, she is now doing his bidding. Um. So we got that going on too. Well, I think it's just uh, he made a deal to give her powers if she went and and, and really messed up the that cross organization. That's what it was, yeah. And she hates them anyways because once again, Darren Cross stole her heart. Uh, like not like in like a romantic sense, like oh he stole my heart. No, no, like she, she legitimately stole the organ. Yeah, she was it's a miracle like, that Cassie is alive. She That's was so completely like passed out, and nobody told her that it happened. So she knows that like she'd passed out, but that she just like thought she had an episode because the history of the heart stuff. Right. <laughs> and then it turns out someone just stole her heart, and then they're like, "Oh, it's not murder. We already have this perfectly good donor heart waiting for her." Unbelievable. It's like, My father needs the pin particles. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's pumped to have powers again. She's and she's going after the cross uh organization. She infiltrates the cross organization. And uh who else does she run into when she's there? But she runs into her father, right? Okay. Have you read have you read that far? I haven't gotten that far yet, no. Okay, I think I left off in Ant-Man. Um, she's infiltrating the Cross uh, Corporation. Uh, and uh, Scott Lang, her father, pardon me, had a mental block. Scott Lang, um, was he was on his way to the Cross Corporation as well to stop her because he sees her on TV uh, in the Hench app. So they run into each other, and that's where uh, that's where it's left off for me. Oh yeah, that's so, like, so it's I like say, not as I do. Yeah, don't be a criminal like your dad. Basically, yeah, stuff like that, and then like you know, uh, I got to imagine they team up to get the fuck out of there. I, I I imagine we'll see what happens next issue. Um, so um, Holden, this is a book I have not read yet. Uh, since it came out in the new Marvel U, but was hoping you could enlighten us uh, as to what's going on in uh, Black Widow. Uh, I know Chris Samney's doing the art on that one, so that's yep. one I wanted to check out. It's another it's Wade Samney Mark combo. Wade, yeah. Um, uh, they're working on this book. They worked uh, together on Daredevil before. Which was so, pr- pretty awesome. So the first book is just this big action sequence where she's escaping from a shield helicarrier and just jumps out of it with no parachute and finds a way. With to no escape. pants on. Oh no, she was. More than <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Stole the the some sort of 
flying mechanism and then end up stealing the bike or something. I don't know. I don't know. It was a pretty good action scene. Actually. Typical woman just running around with no pants on, stealing stuff. I'm sure the plot will thicken more because, you know, Mark Wade is pretty good at that. So um, so it's basically just been action sequences, kind of like the way The Punisher has been lately. Yeah. A nice, nice mindless book. That's cool, But, I mean, though. it's good storytelling because the artwork, you totally know what's up. Yeah, well, it's just a story being told by the artwork, basically. Chris, Mark Wade's probably providing a little bit of direction, and then Chris Samney's having a field day with it. And I bet the artwork in that book is just phenomenal. I have to check it out. Um, but they, how many issues have they come out with that so far? I think they're about three deep. Three deep. Yeah, that's where a lot of Marvel is right now, I'd say. Uh, they, like, came out with their initial sweep of, like... Well, twenty something books, I think, and then they kept like hitting. You know, every month they'd hit you with like a bunch more. Well, they you know, had like, like twenty more. One grouping of big names at like two, one every two weeks, and then they cooled it off, and then they re-released everything else again the same way, and then yeah, and then now they're first starting to get into their first uh, standoff was their first event since. Since um, Secret Wars, and it's an, it was a nice little event. It was a great event. I loved reading that. It was and, awesome. Uh, it was good, very original story. They go ahead, and they also brought back some stuff. Well, Nick Spencer wrote that one, right? Well, I mean, it was a crossover between a bunch of different books, but like um, the original, you know, the books that Alpha Omega, the beginning and end of Standoff. I, no, he he, I, he was mainly responsible for the entire story. Like, yeah, he, he planned out that story arc, in other words. He wrote basically wrote the story arc. Uh, Nick Spencer is another one. He he uh, was writing Ant-Man. Yes. And uh, he's writing Captain America, too, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them. Yeah, he's doing a lot of work for Marvel right now. Well, those three books. And then, actually, I don't know if he's doing anything else. You'd well, think he'd be working on one of the Avengers books, but he's not. It's, well, uh, not right now. I'm sure he will. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's another good writer. Marvel just has like the, you know, dream team right now of of writing and creative staff. It's unbelievable. Artists, writers, the whole nine yards. Um, but anyways, moving right along to Hawkeye, Clint Barton shares the Hawkeye book written by Jeff Lemire. Again, with Jeff Lemire. Um, he shares that book with the other Hawkeye, some might say the better Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, who uh, was another member of the Young Avengers and is basically just a spoiled rich girl that got really good at archery because her parents were rich. And then she became like the other Hawkeye. So Clint Barton took her under his wing and she looked up to him for a time. However... Um, the book, uh, the, the, the first arc, at least, that Jeff Lemire wrote centers around, uh, these mutated children that, uh, both S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra were looking to get their hands on, uh, as a weapon of mass destruction. Mm. Um, I know at the end of basically human slash mutant nuclear deterrence. And Kate Bishop wanted to, like, bring them home and, like, adopt them. And, like, Clint was on board, but then, like, he gave, he, like, assisted S.H.I.E.L.D. in giving the, the kids back. Um, and Kate, like, just, like, had a grudge against him ever since that point. Yeah, and then they come back, like, some 20 years later. Like, does this, like, I thought the story existed outside of continuity for a while. It did, yeah. Yeah, so, um... 
Clint, you know, old man Clint, uh, is looking back on his relationship with Kate and realizing that he might have fucked, he might have messed up and, and made a mistake. So, yeah, about like 20 years down the line, they like perform this crazy risk, uh, rescue mission. Um, except it goes wrong. Shield blows up a helicopter, uh, with the children in it. Um, there's still kids after all the, that time. Well, they're just like these mutated things, you know, like they don't, they never like grew or anything, you know, like yeah, they just exist. Yeah. You know, um, I think, I think that's what happened. Yeah. So, um, no, no, it was Clint himself that shot the helicopter. That's what happened. He fuck. he made a mistake. He screwed it up. So, um, Basically, it's like, um, if he's, he's damned if he, you know, damned this way and damned that way, uh, with Kate and then with, uh, what happens, uh, with those children slash weapons of mass destruction. Um, it's kind of an interesting, I could definitely see, uh, you know, where Jeff Lemire, uh, you know, put in some of that awesome, uh, uh, sci-fi storytelling, you know, you know, with, with, uh, just, uh, using those mutated children as, you know, in, in Hydra and Shield fighting over them, uh, as weapons of mass destruction. It, it was pretty neat in that respect. Um, I was a little too heavy on the Kate Bishop stuff though. She's really moody and it's really, really hard to like, to like her as a character. <laughs> I'm just saying it. She's moody. She's rich, spoiled and moody. I, I don't dig that, you know? I just don't dig I, I like Rogue, or, you know? Or actually, Rogue is wicked moody, too. If you read the Unity Squad book, Uncanny Avengers, she's wicked moody in that. Yeah. She's wicked moody towards the Inhuman girl synapse. She's got, like, a raging case at the, like, the, uh, the M-Pox. That's right, she's yeah. Like, she's been exposed to Terrigen Mist, and it's not really rubbing her the right way. <laughs> well, it doesn't rub, doesn't tend to rub mutants the right way. It like sterilizes them and they get violently ill. Yeah, yeah. So mutants have had it rough, uh, since the history of the mutant race. And, uh, things have just gone from bad to worse because now these inhumans are popping up everywhere, um, being exposed to all this Terrigen mist. You know, people are turning into inhumans and like, when mutants get exposed to that Terrigen mist, like they, it's a death sentence. Being a mutant is just just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, and uh, it's actually um, in Uncanny X Men, the uh, there's these beings called now uh, the name escapes me, but they're basically killing all mutant healers so that the mutant race like can be completely wiped out by the Terrigen mist because they think. That's like just natural order of things, uh, and only yeah, the, the, only the strong survive, and then the, the, he, the healers disturb the natural orders. Exactly. Things. So um, they're taking out all the healers. So you get that going on in Uncanny X Men right now. Magneto's dealing with that problem with his team, uh, Sabretooth, Psylocke. Uh, I know I'm missing a few, but uh, yeah, so it's been a great book. Mystique, Mystique's in that book. Uh, and she's working with Phantom X, which has been pretty cool. 
Uh, lots of cool stuff going on. But uh, anyways, to keep it uh, focused more on the fringe, let's get into a little bit of what's going on uh, with our buddy Doctor Strange. Let's take a trip uh, down into the astral plane and see what Doctor Stephen Strange has been up to lately. Well, he's he hasn't been up to much. He's been getting his ass kicked is what's been happening. Hey, things get weird. I guess uh, there's this um, inquisition going on across... Uh, all realities trying to commit a magical genocide and wipe out magic from the face of the earth. Yeah, magic is dying, and characters like, of course, the Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange, as well as Doctor Voodoo, Scarlet Witch. Uh, once again, I know I'm missing a few. Um, they're all like being wiped out by those things. What are those things called? I forget. Um, um, they're like I don't these. Remember. These futuristic robots, and they like they're they use science to somehow un un make it so magic doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So magic. Uh, it's a strange anti-magic countermeasure, but they've been going across the realities and killing every sorcerer supreme. Right, and right. Then, and then they go and they've been destroying places like uh like these ancient hidden temples that are like are sources of this power. And just wiping it out from existence. I think yeah. they, they got a storyline going on right now that I haven't cracked open yet called Last Days of Magic. Yep, Last Days of Magic. And it's a crossover between Doctor Strange and Deadpool. Yeah, no, I um I read it, it was a hoot. Um Deadpool like basically those things, they invade um Deadpool's wife's underground monster underground community, I forget what it's called. But Lady uh Shikla, she you know, she turns into like a big purple monster, but she's Deadpool's wife. Mm -hmm. Um so Deadpool has to defend the uh the underground monster city um with, you know, you know, so so the mat the, the death of magic is affecting Deadpool. So Deadpool teams up with Doctor Strange. Um Oh wait, no. Doctor Strange doesn't. No, Doctor Strange isn't in, really in it. It's uh, is it maybe it's maybe it's just uh, he teams up with Doctor Voodoo. Maybe it's a continuity thing. Maybe it's continuity thing. So it's happening yeah. to him at the same time it's happening. Yeah, that's what it is. Doctor yeah, because they talk about him. They're like, yeah, he's unavailable right now. So we got Doctor Voodoo. Doctor Voodoo's in it, and then uh, that other guy that knows magic that is always friends with Deadpool. I forget his name. Um, but yeah, they're all, it's all about defending that underground monster city. It, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty hilarious book. Um, I liked it a lot. So I think that, you know, they are cramming Deadpool into like everything right now, just like they were doing with Wolverine a few years ago. Deadpool used to be fringe. Deadpool is no longer fringe. Yeah. It's like main, main continuity. Can't say it enough. Guys, main stream. Yeah, mainstream. but at least we got such a cool character for the mainstream. It's good. Well, it's funny because <laughs> it's like the Deadpool character breaks the fourth wall so much that his popularity from the outside of people who read the book is somehow affected him within the comics, within the continuity of the Marvel Universe. For yeah. some reason, everyone in the Marvel, all the characters in the Marvel Universe are scratching their head that Deadpool is incredibly famous and popular and has tons of money and yeah like all of a sudden like huh it's pretty it's pretty funny because it wasn't too long ago he was like going to like vacated murder scenes and sleeping in the houses oh yeah oh, he's had some very interesting uh 
points to his his life. Uh, and he spent a lot of time teaming up with Cable too. Um, and, and that's kind of cool uh because Cable has joined uh the Unity Squad and he's back with his old buddy Deadpool and I like the both of them together. I guess Cable is a character that is going to be in the Deadpool sequel, the Deadpool movie. Oh yeah, that was the big Easter egg. That was a big movie. Easter egg at the end. Cable's going to be in it. So I wonder who they're going to cast for him. That'll be cool. Uh I've heard a Cable's couple... such an awesome character. Well, I've heard a couple different arguments. Okay, so I've heard Dolph Lundgren and then I heard That'd another... be perfect. I've heard another name would be just as good though. Oh, Ron Perlman was talking about maybe doing. Oh, sh- yeah, he'd be awesome. He'd be an awesome Cable. Yeah, I mean, you can't really lose between the two of them, really. Uh, he was uh Hellboy, and he was a great Hellboy. He was perfect. He was absolutely on point. Yeah, unfortunately, they never made that third Hellboy movie. You never know. It'll get made at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, Ron Perlman's getting pretty old. Is he? And yeah. I, I don't know what it is about Del Toro, but every everything he tries to make has been getting pee-pee slapped. <laughs> every time well, Pacific he... Rim was pretty good. Okay, no, it was good, but he tried to make a second one, and then Pee-Pee slapped. Really? Yep, and then he tried to make a Silent Hill game, and then Pee-Pee slapped. Well, why is he, what's he doing making video games? Well, he's a creator, so maybe he just wanted to uh, do the envisioning. Boss yeah. someone around? Some yeah, just, poor video game program? Well, you make up, <laughs> I mean, you can make up the premise, do level design, but then like, yeah. then you just make other people do the code. Oh, yeah. And then make up other people do the art. I mean, the guy's a director, so he's just directing it. But yeah. he never got to do it anyway. So. <laughs> you got pee pee slapped. Wanna know why? Pee pee slapped. What? So, just, oh, yeah, this must be why he hasn't had anything out lately. In a little while. Um, and then I guess they're talking about a Justice League Dark animation that somehow his name's attached to the script, but that's the hmm. only capacity he'll be part of it. Hmm. Well, it sounds interesting enough, though. But. Yeah. Just a little, um, little interlude in internet rumors. Yeah. Oh, uh, so what do we got next on it's our It's important list? to, it's important to update, uh, as much as we can. So we just got a few more titles to talk about. Uh, um, let's, uh, why don't we first talk about, uh, what's going on with Power Man and Iron Fist, that book by David F. Walker. Um, he's been, he's been writing Cyborg over at DC. I know that. We did, and then, and then, and then, you know, and then Marvel got him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Marvel scooped him right up. Uh, Why? Just, so no one's uh, for Cy- Cyborg's rebirth book. Uh, it'll be someone else then, or it could be him too. Well, no, I don't think he's getting a rebirth book. Like, honest to God, they're going back to like the Justice League characters, no, he is. and that's it. No, Cy- Cyborg's one of the. I I know for a fact. Is Cy- Cyborg? Is going to be a Cyborg rebirth? It's on my pull list. Remember? Oh well. Well, I guess it is. Oh, yeah. Maybe someone else is working on it. He did twelve issues. Usually, people move on after twelve. Yeah. You don't let people stick around for stuff. If you do thirteen, you might as well do sixty at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same thing. People don't usually stick around on books that long. But it's usually a treat when they do, though, and they get to establish things and create their own continuity within their own inner workings of how they dealt with the character. Yeah. So it's always nice when you get to see uh, a writer and, um, and an artist be able to do that. It's a real treat. And you know what else is a real treat? What David F. Walker's been doing with Power Man or Luke Cage and Iron Fist. So have you been reading that one, Holden? Because I, I have. 
Let's see. I'll, I caught the first issue. It was when their former employee gets out of jail and she manipulates them into collecting this uh, amulet from Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's got like the Soul Stone. Or no, the Super Soul Stone. And then uh, and then I guess it had something to do with the, the woman who she belonged to in prison. Yeah, they were sort of joining forces and... Uh, you know, Iron Fist and, and Luke Cage, they, they never visited her in prison, so she's got this, uh, vendetta against them sort of to begin with. Um, but then, you know, it turns out that they really screwed up by, uh, get, getting that amulet for her. So, um, now they've got like a, a real force. Basically, it's forcing Luke Cage and Iron Fist to join up together and become Power Man and Iron Fist again, which is very much against the wishes of Luke Cage's wife, Jessica Jones. Right. So, <laughs> you know, the whole time Iron Fist is like, let's get, let's get the, the band back together, kinda. You know, he's like, I, I, I wanna, you know, get Power Man or Heroes for Hire back together is what they're, what he calls it. Yeah. Cause yeah. they were Heroes for Hire, you know. Uh, the two of them. And Luke Cage is like, nope, nope. And he's watching his mouth. He's not swearing because, uh, he doesn't want to piss Jessica off. And he's like totally whipped by Jessica. And, uh, eventually it's like they, they've created this situation for themselves where it's like impossible for them not to go back to being Power Man and Iron Fist again and fighting crime. Heroes for hire. It's, so it's been, it's been pretty neat. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, let's talk power set real quick is cause these are some of the slightly more obscure Marvel characters we're, we're talking about here. Um, although I don't know, after Je- Jessica Jones, Luke Cage is pretty damn popular and Iron Fist, you know, he's going to be in the Luke Cage series coming out, I believe in the fall. Anywho, um, Power Man, Luke Cage, he's got incredible strength and impenetrable skin. Yeah, he's got invulnerable skin. Invulnerable right? skin, so it's sort of like, like how do he's you... He's actually s- one of the toughest guys in... In the Marvel U, easily. Like, Luke Cage, just like... Just the invulnerability and stuff. He's incredible. And his power set automatically makes him more than a match for so many people right at the gate. He, I think he could, like, stand toe-to-toe with the Hulk and, like, just exchange fists, like, no problem. Um, so that's the kind of power we're talking in Power Man. Now, recently, uh, Iron Fist's apprentice, uh, has been like the new kid Power Man. Um, but he'll never be Luke Cage. He'll never be the original Power Man. Um, I think he's just a namesake, you know, cause he's like Iron Fist's like apprentice. But Iron Fist himself, uh, for those that don't know, um, Danny Rand, Originally, like the, you know, a blonde white guy that was just really nasty at kung fu, and then also, uh, had harnessed the power of the chi. Um. And then, doesn't he have some sort of connection to this hidden kung fu city? Uh, maybe. I'm trying to get more into, uh, both these characters because of the Netflix series coming out, but, uh, I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, this chi power grants Iron Fist, like, awesome powers, and he's also just, like, Marvel's token kung fu guy. Uh, I think they're still casting him. I haven't heard anything about him being cast yet, so, uh, I'll be on the lookout for that, for the, uh, the, the Luke Cage Netflix series. Um... So, just a, a couple more uh, cosmic fringe books I'd like to to talk about to wrap us up here. Um, we'll talk about Star Lord, 
the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and we'll talk Drax, because I had been reading it. Uh, it's been, that one's written by, uh, uh, Cullen Bunn, uh, and CM Punk, uh, the wrestler. Um, but, uh, let's talk Star Lord first. Sam Humphreys is writing that one. Um, this, uh, very well, so far, this run that, that Sam Humphreys has, has done with Star Lord might, it might well be like the definitive origin for the character. Um, it's definitely a Peter Quill origin story. Um, basically tells everything that went on up to him becoming and calling himself the legendary Star-Lord. Um, the first thing that's really hilarious that Humphreys did that I really liked is uh, when Yondu uh, takes Peter Quill, um, Yondu and the Ravagers, uh, they're like space pirates, um, Yondu takes Peter Quill under his wing to become a Ravager, he starts him out just buffing the floors. Uh, so he's just buffing the floors for hours every day with this big, like, industrial, like, floor buffer. But the floor buffer is, for some reason, it's called Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where his name comes from. He got it off that, like, industrial vacuum cleaner. Um, that he was using to polish Yondu's floors for his ship. That's so much for the grandeur, huh? Yeah, well, it's interesting because what he does um, in the end of this arc, um, what you got to know is when Star-Lord, uh, Star-Lord, he's not Star-Lord yet, Peter, when Peter Quill was young, um, like, a, like a young, you know, 20-something-year-old, um, he had a job at NASA as a mechanic, and uh the human race was planning their very first uh colonization uh colony uh, off-world colony thank you uh, that's that's what i meant to say so they're planning their trip to the fir- uh, their very first off-world colony in the asterian 1 and peter quill's mother who was killed by uh, a badoon starship um and the badoons the aliens um her best friend lisa is the commander of that ship well peter quill has always had one goal in life and it was to go ever since his mother died was killed by aliens um he has always wanted to uh become an astronaut go into space and get revenge for his dead mother um so eventually he steals the asterian one uh, from, uh, his, under the nose of, 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 uh, his mother's friend, and he takes off into space, and he's boarded by Yondu and the Ravagers, and, like, they keep, like, swapping, like, back ship after ship, and he's, he's on Yondu's ship, and he's taking a bulldozer and dumping all their treasure out into space, and Yondu's, like, flipping his shit, it's so awesome, man. And eventually, uh, so this is like a new origin story for yeah, him? Yeah, no one's ever gone into this much depth for Star-Lord's origin, not to my knowledge. Um, and it's great because it's like you even get to find out where the namesake comes from. And it, he does more with this industrial vacuum cleaner. I'll get, I'll get to, to that. Um, but basically, uh, Yondu makes a deal with, Peter Quill, where he says, like, you'll be a full-fledged Ravager, and not only that, but I will give you this gem that will tell you the exact location of the alien ship 
the Badoon starship that uh, was responsible for your mother's death. So you can get your revenge like you've always wanted. If you help me uh, infiltrate that trip in the off-world colonies, because they eventually made their trip, you know, so they're in space now, the humans, and, and uh, his mother's friend, Lisa, is the commander of this mission. Is this like the sword platform or something out in space, or is this something separate? Must be separate, right? I don't understand your questioning. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? So, like, this colony, like, where is it supposed to be? Or is it just supposed to be Oh, it's some space? some planet. I forget the name of it. It's some planet that's not real. Um, so, in Marvel, they're already colonizing planets? That's crazy. I guess. Or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Continuity can be weird sometimes. Um, but, yeah, apparently this is sort of like the future when Star-Lord's growing up, which is weird. Because he's around in present day all over the Marvel Universe. Um, right now, you know, they're doing a pretty cool arc with the Guardians. But um, we'll get into that some other time. Um, but um, he leads the Ravagers uh, to the, you know, the, the human ship. Um, with, with, you know, the, the mission for the off-world colony. Because Yondu wants to steal the ship... Uh, because it has four warp drives. Peter Quill knows that that ship has four warp drives because he worked on it as a mechanic. He installed them. So Yondu wants those warp drives, and that's why they're stealing the ship. But Peter Quill has a change of heart when his mask comes off and Lisa, his mother's best friend, basically his second mother, sees what he's up to working with the Ravagers and holding everyone hostage. So Peter Quill then uh takes a uh you know a, takes the, sh- the ship the the Ravager ship pardon me long and the short of it he steals Yondu's ship that they use to board uh the the ship with the humans um and he he pieces out but then he comes back um and he, he uses it's it's funny because he uses this, this Star Lord industrial vacuum cleaner um, to get away from Yondu at the end, and uh, also pick his pocket and steal that gem so he can go find the those aliens that killed his mother. So he saves he saves uh, that off world colony mission for the humans for his people for Lisa, his second mother. And then he scoots away on that Star-Lord industrial vacuum cleaner that he, he used to uh, uh, turn into, like, a makeshift jetpack um, to, to cruise over into space to get uh, steal the Ravager's ship. And then uh, he's off to go, uh, go find those aliens in the next arc. Uh, he left Yondu high and dry, which is the pirate's way, and, like, one of Yondu's men... Was like he left you high and dry, boss. That's the pirate's way, and he's like, oh, "I know it's the pirate's way." Damn it! <laughs> so Yondu's, you know, you will see Yondu and the Ravagers again. They'll be back after him, uh, and then obviously uh, he's going after the Badoon. They're a pretty nasty uh, brand of Marvel alien. So uh, interesting things in that book. It's really well done by Sam Humphreys. Uh, last but not least. 
Um, let's talk about that Drax book now. Drax the Destroyer, another Guardian of the Galaxy. Um, written by Cullen Bunn and CM Punk, the wrestler. Um, it definitely has like a, a, a tinge of WWE in this book, and it's really cool because it's just a tinge. It's not like a book where Drax is just like in a ring, like fighting people. Um, it starts out like many of the uh, Guardian uh, fringe books do, typically start out with uh, the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, all together, and they're battling uh, some cosmic bad guys of some sort I, I actually honestly forget who it is but then uh you know they say you know they they, they beat up the bad guys and like the team kind of disperses everybody's got like their own shit to do uh rocket and Groot go one way peter uh sorry uh it's uh kitty pride is star lord right now um she goes one way and uh um Venom takes off or whatever. Everybody's taking off and doing their own thing, and Drax is kind of like just standing there in the middle, like, and uh, no one has room for him. Like everyone's like, "Sorry, man, we don't have room in our ship." Um, so he, he finally he's like, "What do I do now? Uh, I guess I better go kill Thanos," because that's like uh, Drax's like one main mission. Like it, I don't know. In the movies, they said it was Ronan, and then at the end. Uh, he said it's Thanos that I really have to kill, but it's always been Thanos, typically. Um, and that really old Silver Surfer, uh, book, the graphic novel. The lead up just to, before, lead up to Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet, yeah. I guess. Rebirth uh, of, of Thanos is what that Drax was, was created by the being Kronos in order to kill Thanos. Right. And that's like his main quest. I so. Think they used, like, it was a human being who they got to go ahead and, and become Drax. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in order to do this, in order to go back on his quest, he needs he needs a ship, and no one has room to like take him. So Rocket gives him this like really crappy ship. It's like barely a spaceship. It's called the Space Sucker, and it's just such a piece of crap. Um, but it, he gets in it, and like he goes off, and he gets, of course, the thing. Um, malfunctions like almost right away and uh drax is stranded crash landing on a, a planet i forget where he is exactly but he runs into an old foe uh and also an old herald of galactus not the silver surfer but terex and Terex has essentially become a pacifist. He's given up the will to fight because there's nothing to fight for anymore. So he just sits at this bar and drinks all day, and he's hugging Drax and <laughs> buying him drinks and, you know, just being really, like, you know, nice to him. And he's just totally changed his tune. Um, so later on, uh, I'm trying to... Get my memory jogged. I just read this book. Um, later on, Drax uh, gets into a scuffle. Um, yeah, when I first heard that Drax was going to get a book, I just figured it was just going to be Drax getting pissed off and then fighting people. Well, that's like what it is. Time. That's what it is. Um, totally. 
But like, you get to see like this cool fight scene at the end that's like definitely got like a lot of, uh, inspiration from the WWE and CM Punk in regards to the action sequences. And Tarek's finally like, he like loves Drax, so he finds something to fight for. So he's like in the fight, like helping him. Um, it was pretty cool stuff. Uh, definitely, like I said, that tinge of wrestling thrown in there, and it's definitely the right character to do that with. Do you think so. it's it's just a nice little solid thing for they're gonna do a little while? So I know that yeah. all the Guardians yeah. have a lot of popularity right now, but I don't imagine any of them are holding a book for any extended period of time. I mean, even Rocket and Groot, as good as that was, yeah. Uh, like Star Lord, I guess, has been working. Star Lord's been really cool, but I just yeah. I don't know. It's just strange because whenever you take somebody who originated in a team book and then you give them a solo title, more often than not, it just kind of stinks. Um, well, I think Star Lord's just such a big personality and also like such a you know he's the leader of the team. He's he's the lead guardian and he's kind of like he's almost like like a even edgier Han Solo in a lot of different ways, but he's like that kind of character, you know, like the, the space, the lovable rogue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. get the idea. Yeah. Uh, lovable space rogue of, that is Star Lord. So I think, you know, and they got the right creative, uh, team on that book and it's just, it's just flowing really well and giving Star Lord an awesome origin as this little punk kid that just, uh, leaves Yondu high and dry cruises away on his Star-Lord industrial vacuum cleaner. (laughs) So uh, we'll see. We'll have more on that book uh, later on. Um, But I guess that wraps up our Marvel Fringe cast for this week. I uh, want to remind you all to check us out on YouTube, uh, The Vigilant Geek, and uh, also check out our blog, that's, uh, blogs, uh, sorry, uh, thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com. Sorry about that. Thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com. And YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. The Vigilant Geek. I'm Andrew Puzak. Oh, I'm holding arm. And we want to remind you all to, as always, stay vigilant! vigilant.